you know, we show up in January and we've got, you know, like $100,000 dropping into our bank account. One characteristic emerged as a significant predictor of success. It was grit. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. I think we're supposed to say, <laughs> what's up? What's up? Okay. Well, we got that out of the way. <laughs> well, it's 2020. We've officially podcasted for two calendar years. Is this the second season? This is, sure, why Part not? Of second episode of the second yeah, season? Yeah, episode 11. So why not? Episode one of season two. We can call it whatever we want. Sweet. So what should we talk about today? <laughs> So I think what we wanted to talk about uh, today was a little bit of what has been going on right before the new year and kind of following up from our last conversation around like funding options and some different kind of internal like hiring things going on. But we wanted to follow up on that and talk a little bit more specifically about some situations that we found ourselves in and what decisions we made and why we made those decisions and whether we think they're the right decision yeah. or not. We'll do a follow-up episode in six months and be like, what were we thinking? I mean, actually, it might be more like a follow-up episode in like three years or something and they'll be like, oh, Who knows? it was not the right decision or it was or whatever. So last time, I guess we talked about we had gotten some different funding offers, but we didn't really go into specifics about that. And we won't go into all the different specifics, but one of the things that happened is we got an offer from Tiny Seed, which is like our dream accelerator to get to get into ever since they started it was something we were like yeah i would love i would love to do that and so we decided to apply and we got an offer which was awesome and very validating and we were really excited about it however some things changed in our business in the exact like right around that exact same time frame and we'll go into that a little bit but basically we all of a sudden were flush with Pre-paced. a lot more capital yeah. than we thought we would have when we actually applied to Tiny Seed. And we kind of hit on some of this, I think, in the last episode, but we'll get we'll get a little deeper into it. Yeah. So anyways, we'll, we'll go into that stuff. But yeah, and, and obviously Tiny Seed is much more than just capital, but that is a significant component of it. And it is something that's obviously very important to a business both in terms of the capital that you receive, but also what the what terms are, up, right? yeah, what you'd be giving up and like what that would mean for you now, obviously the money would come to you now. So that would mean a lot, but then what that means for you a year, two years, three years down the road. So we found ourselves in an interesting situation where, yeah, where we basically had, we had all these like annual prepays from some new customers. We didn't make a, a key hire that we thought was going to, going to happen where we would have been paying that person like, you know, a pretty large sum, six figure type of situation. And all of a sudden we weren't hiring that person. So there's cash back in our pocket. And then we won a bunch of kind of annual prepaid deals. So all of a sudden, and you know, we show up in January and we've got like a hundred thousand dollars dropping into our bank account from just customers. Yeah. Well, it's also funny because stepping back a little bit farther in time, the motivation to apply to Tiny Seed. I mean, we being a part of that and like having access to the mentorship and all of that was always interesting. And then like some of these things, like you mentioned, the potential hire and I guess a few a few things like that were kind of motivators to apply in the first place. And then it's like all those things showed up and then we applied and then we got in and then 
we got prepays and then the higher went away. So it's like the window into our future kept just changing and changing. Yeah. So. And I guess the right way to say it is that we, we got an offer, which I think means that you got in. I mean, but, until you're, but in, technically, I guess you're in, yeah, yeah. Like I guess there There's could be like details. due diligence and yeah. stuff like that. So I don't know if that totally means that or not. Not sure. We didn't go that far, but anyways, we thought this would be an interesting conversation because one of the things that we constantly think about is like, like at what point, at what point does it not make sense to do a deal? Like what terms don't make sense to do if you're in a certain capital situation with your business? Like if you've made it to a certain stage or point of your business, there's got to be some sort of, I don't know, line in the sand there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's what it really came down to was like, if tiny seed, I mean, from what I understand about their reason for being, I guess, is it was more geared toward people who are earlier than we are a little bit. Obviously, we, we still could qualify, but it was more like, hey, you're trying to like maybe shift it from a side project to a full-time gig, and here you can pay yourself and get access to people who can help you build it up so that after a year, you can pay for your, yourself, hopefully. If it had existed when we started or in that first year or whatever, and we also got in. Yeah. Who knows whether yeah. I think it would be a no brainer at that point, just because the the money would mean so much more than, and of course the mentorship, I would say the mentorship means a ton. Like, I feel like it's just generally high value no matter what phase we're in, but the money would have meant a lot more than, than it does now. And I think that's really what it came down to is like our cash needs were like shifting as we might hire someone who would cost a lot or now we're not hiring someone and suddenly like the weight that we would put on a cash infusion is different. And then we also got prepaid. So it's like, that's kind of offsetting some of the like foregone funding. So I guess that's what was really tricky for me about it was like the mentorship and like the network of people, the community having like Slack group with like-minded people building business in a similar way would be like, that's still something that sounds amazing. So it became like, but what, what is, what, what is are we that exchanging? worth? Yeah. Like, in and that's, terms of that's going to be over, hard. right? Like, 12 months from now where that's going to, not that we couldn't still talk to those people, of course, but imagine like one or two years down the road, the hundred to 200 K or whatever the, their typical offers are. It's like, these are, this is interesting and useful. We could definitely use the money, but that wasn't the primary motivator once we were getting prepays and the mentorship network, I'm, I'm assuming would have like a maybe decreasing value over time or maybe, I mean, you'd have ongoing relationships, so it's hard to value that, but mm-hmm. It was like, we're giving up a chunk of a business we built entirely without any of this forever. So it's like, how do you bring those two things together? And it's hard. Like, I don't know that this matters that much, but the struggle of, you know, not paying ourselves for a year and a half and like going through that super hard time and getting over that hump without taking any money, like thinking back about that and being like, oh man, we got here on our own without taking any money. And, and I don't know, it's just something that, like I said, I'm not sure that that should be a factor in your thought process, but it's definitely something that went through my head over and over as we were thinking about doing this. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. No, (laughs) it's like, why are we doing this at this point when we've made it past the, the, like the hard part? The hardest part. Yeah. I mean, financially the hardest part. And then it's like, is this a pride thing? Cause that seems in some ways like silly like if you just like looked at our current situation look at the potential offer like in this moment like should we do this but it's hard to separate yourself as the people who like have been through it the whole time from where we've come from and like it's not like if we don't take this you know we have three months till we're dead like that's not the case 
So I don't know. Yeah. It, it, I don't even know what else to say about it, but it's just, it was, there's still part of me that like just wants to be part of that network. So it's yeah. still like that, that element of it is still tricky, but we have before and we will continue to like find other ways to build some of that community and be part of that stuff. And I mean, microconf themselves are, are going to help with that. I think with these different things that they're up to. So hopefully that'll help us like get a little bit of that value without the full tiny seed experience. Yeah. I guess It's definitely something where <laughs> you go back and kind of have second thoughts about it, but it doesn't do you any good to have second thoughts about it. If you would have done it, I don't think that would have been the wrong decision. And obviously we didn't do it. And I don't think that's the wrong decision. I don't think either is like the wrong decision. Maybe one will end up being a better option. And I'm open to say that I'm not sure like, which, one is, which one that is. And we may never even find Even though out. we made the decision and we may never find out, but it is the decision that we made. And now it's like we got to move forward and prove that it was <laughs> yeah. the right decision for us at the time, at the stage. But yeah, I, I mean, another thing too that kind of pops in your head is I assume that anybody that that gets some sort of offer to something like Tiny Seed or Techstars, you know, some of these others out there is that they reach out to other peers or founders or just other people in the startup world to kind of get their advice. And we did that a bit. And one thing that's interesting about it is like, because Tiny Seed is different, you know, it's not the typical like VC model. They have to they have to account for that. And so like they need a bigger chunk, I guess you could say of the business in order for their model to work. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense for certain situations. It makes a lot of sense for, like we said, earlier stage companies. But when you go to like other founders or other people that are maybe more used to like the typical kind of VC model and what those terms typically look like. And you mention those terms and you're just like, Hey, what do you think about that? Like, they're all like, Whoa, that's super expensive. Yeah. Because the whole approach is just completely different. It's like, are yeah. we trying to like growth at all costs to a point where we can sell this thing and make a ton of money? Because that's a completely different mindset than like, take this money and deploy it responsibly over time and we will get paid out over time. And so that payment out has to be, we need a bigger proportion of that. And yeah. we need to like understand how much you're paying yourselves and like how how you're reinvesting. And like, it's a much, it. I mean, it aligns exactly with, how we're doing it. So that's why, that's why we, we applied in the first place, but it does force you to think a bit more about like what that, what that feels like in two, three, four years to have basically sold off a portion of your company. Yeah. And then also the hard part of like, when you go to others for like a little bit of advice or like, what do you think as a third party? Cause we've got all these different thoughts going through our head because we're obviously huge fans of like microconf and really want to be a part of that. And so there's some of that that's just like the vanity side of like being yep. in that. Um, so we're trying to like, okay, let's ask some third parties that don't have that stuff in their head. But the problem is then everybody, every third party, at least that I talked to about it and the terms were just saying how expensive that was, which, yeah, they have, which it is if yeah. you have their context of like kind of the old way. It's kind of apples and oranges. I mean, you're, yeah. if you took the same kind of offer from a VC and you got better terms, like other than that, it's still a completely different offer because it's like, there's so much wrapped up in like what that means for how you're going to go about building your business for the rest of time. And like, it locks you into that track. So yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and obviously like in DVC and Ernest and maybe others are, I think they kind of tried to account for this a little bit by doing like the payback. I don't know what they call it, you know, but it's like, you can basically pay back 
you know, buy back a certain, a certain amount of your, you're basically like, yeah, buying the equity back at a premium, which is a cool way of kind of overcoming some of the barrier of like, Hey, am I going to regret this in three years? It's like, well, if you do, you can just be buying back your equity and it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I think another thing too, is like, you have to think about what just getting the money for no reason just to like add it to your bank account is not like if you don't have strategy to spend that money in a wise way that's going to grow your business, like you shouldn't do it. Yeah. Like you just gave away X percent of your company for no reason, assuming you have some cash flow, which yeah, that was a big part of it too. Yeah. Like we, we got a big prepay. We already have existing prepays that ended in the beginning of the year. So like, it's like, Hey, we're actually about to get a big, a couple checks written to us from people who just pay for our software. So Maybe that's good enough for now. And I think some of the things that we want to do, like when we think about like, okay, what are some of our strategies for 2020 to grow the business? We've already talked about some of those in the in this podcast before, but like one of them is obviously ramping up on the advertising side. And so having money to spend on that side of the business, which we have already. We don't have plans to spend more than what we could spend with what we already have. Yeah. So on that side of things it doesn't make any sense because we already have it and we could theoretically, if we wanted to, we could also do things like max out credit cards and all that kind of stuff. Not that we're planning to do that. But yeah, like if the ads keep working as they are, it's like a relatively low risk spend because it gets paid back within the month, basically, at least it has so far. So it's like, we can spend a lot more and see that it gets paid back to us. So that was, that's one thing. And then I guess on the other side is like, are we going to hire another developer i think the plan is probably yes on that however it probably wouldn't be as much as we were (laughs) it wouldn't be somebody as as senior as the person that we were going to hire before so it you know likely be a a lower salary or, or cost on our end so i mean it in all those situations, like we already have enough capital to yep. do all of those things that we are either planning to do or even considering planning to do so at that point, you've got to convince yourself that what you're getting is worth it. Yeah. The non-monetary parts, which are also really hard to like evaluate. Totally. Yeah. Like Impo- you <laughs> could get in there and like in three weeks be like, this is the best thing that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. And maybe you have some lifelong relationships that just pay you dividends for the, you know, not monetary dividends for the rest of your life or the rest of your career or not. And it's like really hard to know. Um, Plus, I I guess the other thing that we didn't really touch on yet is obviously we have two products. So when we applied, we applied using ad reform metrics and we never really got, given that we didn't go super far into like the actual process of it, we didn't really touch on what would happen to user feed or if anything, but it kind of forced us to think about that. I mean, we talk about this all the time, but it's like, okay, we have two completely different products with completely different markets and price points and just dynamics in general. So I will say like a good side effect of this whole process was it made us think a little more critically about that. Like what do we need to do to either justify keeping them both or, you know, should we consider trying to like sell one or whatever, um, which we're not doing, but it's like, if we're not doing that, we need to make sure we're giving them both the attention they deserve. And we've talked about that before with TikTok and stuff, but like having a bit more I guess if you're trying to convince someone that just wrote you a check to invest in your business, how do you justify to them that you have these two things and how do you explain like how you manage those and how you give them both attention? So I think thinking about it in that light imposes a little more structure on it so we can actually say like, let's have a process. Not that it's like it can't change, but just have like 
an approach instead of just kind of like this feels right which i think is i mean that's a benefit of us just owning it we can just decide that but it's like mixing some gut feel with like a bit of protocol is probably a good thing yeah and also i mean honestly like if we would have done it and the advice was hey you need to do xyz with this other product like that could have been helpful too like i think on the other side of the fence yeah totally and and especially for them they've got you know this whole huge network of other bootstrappers and like kind of like uh entrepreneur types you know maybe it would be a situation where you were like oh you guys should probably sell this product right and then they could make that happen probably pretty quickly with like the huge network but and maybe they you know maybe we want to hire somebody to just run that kind of you guys run that on your own or whatever and they could probably help with that too so on the other side of the fence it could have been helpful yeah on that side well i think yeah i guess yeah my my thinking was like and this is kyle we forgot to say our names but um it's like regardless of whether we took it or not it i feel like it forced us to have those conversations so even though it could have been actually way more beneficial to have access to that network for this purpose like at a minimum at least we're thinking about it a bit more concretely than we have one thing that um just to to play devil's advocate because it's a thought that i think bootstrappers should consider um you know we're we're bootstrappers and we want to do things on our own terms and we want to um you know do things ourselves and this is Landon, Kyle and I in this business and in our previous company that we were both at, we never took like any VC funding. So we've literally never had investors that are smart people that are in your corner going to bat for you, have a vested interest in your success. And that's something we brought up when we were talking about it. it's like, we're not putting a value on that because we've never we don't experienced it. Yeah. I'm sure there's situations where you bring an investor on that doesn't do anything for you outside of the money. And then there's probably lots of situations where the investor comes in and is like a game changer for you and is in the trenches with you and going to bat for you and like introducing you to all these important companies or people or whatever hires. And as far as we knew, like that's the way that tiny seed would have been right. Like it would have been great, but it, it is hard for us as people that have bootstrapped for so long and have been a part of kind of bootstrap companies without VC funding to think about that because we just haven't had that before and we haven't like experienced the value of that. Yeah. And so had we experienced that value before, maybe that would have like completely changed our decision making process going through this. And there's probably a lot of bootstrappers out there that they're not considering that kind of thing either because they've never experienced it as well. So yeah. you're definitely, I mean, we definitely weight full control and like freedom. Not that having an investor would be like giving a bunch of that up, but it's like once you go down that path, it's harder to go back. And I think we always like have made that a priority, but yeah, it's like it could have been like the best tailwind ever. And we would have just, we would have been great. You know, hey, we're maybe we screwed up. I don't it's know. Hard to know. <laughs> I don't know if we screwed up or not. It but... definitely was not a decision. I guess I should go back. Like <laughs> we kind of glossed over the fact that we got an offer and we said, we said it was, you know, maybe not the right time for us, but it was not a decision that was made lightly. Um, no. So lots of unrecorded conversations between the two of us uh, about this as it was happening. So everything in my, uh, like everything in my gut was like, do it, you know, yeah. my initial like emotional gut sense was to do it. And the more that I would think about it with my, uh, my brain and my logic, it was just hard to justify based on where we're at with our business at this moment like yeah. a year ago a hundred percent i would have done it 
two years ago, 100% would have done it. Not sure we would have got in on either of those yeah. years because we've grown a lot uh, recently. But um, I just think where we're at with our business now, it was hard to justify. And I, it's it was right on the fence. And it was like, I don't know. I feel like anytime we have a decision where we're on the fence, I'm like probably always going to choose the more do things on our terms. Yeah. Um, I guess you could say the, um, the more conservative route where we're sort of like believing in like ourselves doing it than like doing something a little bit more risky. Yeah. And I, I think that thought process, maybe that's held us back at times, but I think so far it seems to have served us well to this point. I don't think we've made any bad decisions that have like crushed our business. Yeah. I think that's... Uh, and, and it's grown pretty well over time. So like, I don't know, having that, that track record with that same mindset, I think sort of led to us making that decision for where we're at at this time. And so, yeah, and this isn't, <laughs> this isn't like the, certainly not the only, uh, decision factor that you would want, but it's like almost like regret minimization or something where it's like we, if like a year from now, it's sort of like, we don't feel like we got what we wanted when we took money from someone. I would regret that much more than like, if we don't take something and then like, maybe things don't go where we want them to go, but it's like, it's like, it's on us. Like there's no, yeah. I don't know. Or, or things go really well in either case. Right. And, and then you're still like, Ooh, we didn't actually need that. Like I kind of regret doing that because now we're like, that's happening. Yeah. The hard part about startups, especially early stage is that you have to make lots of decisions all the time with like no data. However, the nice thing about startups is that all those decisions are usually decisions that can be reversed pretty quickly. So like, you know, you're A-B testing something or, you know, you hire a contractor or you do this X, Y, Z. You make all these decisions, but those are all things that like, if it doesn't go well, or if it seems like it's going the wrong, down the wrong path or something, you can make a quick agile decision to reverse it or change it or whatever. This is one of those decisions where you can't reverse it. So if it's a no brainer, which like we said, it would have totally been a no brainer for us a year ago or two years ago, then you know, good. Right. But if it's on the fence like that, where it's hard to justify or it could go either way, you got to think about the fact that you were stuck with this decision forever. Yeah. Like pretty much. So well, in, in the way, we, any- yeah. Like by, by not taking it, that's a moment that you'll never get back. Like, I mean, there's also, if we were to apply next year for some reason, which I don't, I don't foresee doing like, of course there's no guarantee. Or if we apply in, with a future business, there's no guarantee we ever get another offer from anyone, them or any yeah. other investor. So that is like a moment that you can't get back, but you also give yourself the opportunity to take that leap for the first time by not doing it for the first time. So I think that's another way to think about it is like you leave that option open without taking it, Yeah, which is generally what we've done. So yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, long story short is we were very happy to get the, the offer and we were very appreciative of it and it was very validating for us to get it to like say, okay, like we're doing, (laughs) we're doing something right. But yeah, I mean, it just, it was a really hard decision and those are kind of some of the reasons why we ended up making that decision, whether it ends up being, you know, the best decision or not. But now that we did make the decision, I'm very like motivated to prove that we, you know, at least didn't make a bad decision, right? Like that we, not that it's like, it's going to be a way better decision or anything. Like I'm sure it would have been good to like, to go that route too. But now that we are sort of like, you know, still on our own. Like I'm, I'm really motivated to prove that we can do it. We can do it. Yeah. There's no way to know where we would be in 
six, 12, 18 months if we had taken it. Like there's just so many intangible things around it, but at least as long as we can stay motivated and like drive the business forward, then we'll feel good about that choice. We'll learn something regardless. Too. Yeah. Like, and we, <laughs> and we already have, I mean, I think that's yeah. kind of the point too, is like we've talked about with on the last episode talking about like doing a bunch of projections, doing this, it's helped us kind of do some of that nitty gritty stuff that I think will help us think more critically about things in 2020. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I am very happy and I think we're very fortunate to be in a situation where it was a tough decision. <laughs> where, Cause like, yeah, where a, we, there was interest and B, we felt relatively comfortable, you know, staying the course if we needed to. Yeah. yeah. So like, like a lot of people, that's the best place you can be really, I think. I mean, it, yeah, like I said, if, if it was like two years ago, I think we'd have been like, there was, there's definitely parts of our business early, early on where like, I don't know, we wouldn't have been in a position where we could even like negotiate or, or to just kind of back away and, and not go through with it. Like, I think we would have been like our wives, our wives probably would have been like, yeah. no, you, my you bank have account would have enjoyed. Yeah. You have to go yes, through yeah. with that if they are, are going to give you that. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't think we really had like necessarily a goal for this conversation. Just sharing, I, just a bit sharing of our, like our thought process. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I'd be interested to, to hear, I guarantee you there's some, you know, people out there that probably are like, well, you didn't think of this and this and that be kind of interested in hearing yeah, about let that. Let us know what we missed. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we didn't, you know, uncover all the different rocks and things that we should have, uh, considered before we, we did it. And obviously we can't go back and change that now, but you know, for future reference, I think it would be interesting to, to know of like other things we should have considered. And I'm sure people that went through the, the first batch, uh, probably had a really great experience and I'm sure they're like, Oh, you're, you know, you're going to miss out because of the things we mentioned that were actually very valuable in the accelerator, like the mentorship and the community and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's fine too. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I will say too, I, I just actually retweeted a thread today about, well, a couple things. One was about like who should take VC. And I thought that was pretty interesting. I think it was the founder of catch benefits or something, uh, talking about just like, like where she thinks VC makes sense. And I kind of agreed with a lot of that. Um, yeah. and then the other one was actually, um, the indie VC tweets around looking at like people's cap tables and stuff and being like, what is happening? And I think just, I only bring that up because, you know, a lot of the early stage offers we've talked through with like potential angel investors, or we hear about from our founder friends and stuff are all very like, we do notes, we do convertible notes, we do safes, we do then the, I guess they're optimizing for like speed and simplicity, but there's still like an assumption baked in that like, you're going to be on the VC track. And then there's a lot of like, obviously the terms lay out what will happen, but it's still kind of like this, I call it debt, which is like not a great word because it's like not monetary debt, but it's like, there's some cost to like having these unresolved things lingering around. And like, yeah. I think it, I think you can often get better terms probably. And like, it probably is the, a great fit. But for me personally, it's just like, I like the simplicity. I do like the simplicity of like, you give me money, I give you equity we move forward together. Like there's no, the hard part is obviously like, what is that? That, percentage? that chunk, you feel like your price might change drastically in six months for better or for worse. So it's hard to evaluate that. And that's why people kind of typically do that. But yeah. I, I just think there's some, 
it, it almost makes it too easy to like say yes to things because it doesn't feel that expensive. Like you don't have to do all these valuations and like kind of think about what you'll feel like three years from now if you've given up 10%, 15% of your business because you don't have to decide all that. Um, but I feel like it's it's almost like a good a good constraint to make, make you think through that a little bit more. So that's just a I mean, the hard side. The hardest part about all of this is like, is the revenue component? Like, what are you doing in revenue? Like all this stuff becomes a little bit more clear when you're doing like nothing in revenue, right? Like when you're at zero, like it makes the, it makes all these decisions like a little bit easier or maybe too easy. But once you're making, if someone's offering you a good chunk of money and you have nothing to your name, you know, it's a pretty compelling offer at that point. Right. And I think in some cases it's actually easier to get money at that point just because it's like, it could be anything. We could be like the, you know, it could always, be a $10 million company in like one year or something. I always think about like, this, uh, this family guy clip where Peter wins a boat and then he goes to like the pitch and then they offer him the boat or a mystery box <laughs> and he takes the mystery box and he says, it could be anything. It could even be a boat. <laughs> I always think about that when we talk about yeah. it's like, it's like, yeah, you, if you can sell a vision for something and someone will give you money for it, like you could, we work your way into lots of money. Um, so but yeah, the, yeah, the revenue side of it, I don't know, just makes it, makes it a bit harder. But yeah, I, I guess I think our goal for this is just if you find yourself in one of these situations or positions where, you, you know, you could raise money or it may be accelerator or whatever it may be, there's a lot more to think about than just, I'm going to be in this really cool accelerator with these great people or like, I'm going to get this money. Like there's, there's a lot more you should think about and really like try to take yourself out of like the, what am I going to get right now? And think about the future, um, three to five years down the road, because you're probably going to be in this for another three to five to 10 (laughs) years. And if you, if you don't intend on doing that, you should just go the VC track and try to get a bunch of money. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess it's like a little bit of insight into our decision-making process, but yeah, I think Landon mentioned would love to hear, if anyone out there has thoughts about what else we should think about or what you've experienced or anything like that would be how dumb great we to are. Hear. Yeah. Like how smart we are, hey, how dumb we are. We're open. Like I said, we're, we're open to that. We might be really dumb. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's pretty much it till next time. Awesome. Yeah. We will maybe talk about something more tactical next time since we've done a couple of these, but we'll see. We shall see. And uh, we're also potentially changing our uh, schedule from Mondays, but TBD. So our last episode was Friday. So if you're listening to this, whatever day this came out, that might be our new day. Also, if I know this is like a little bit off in the future, uh, but I'm starting to to think more about it now. Um, I guess it's early April is microconf, right? Growth. Microconf growth. Yep. Sometime in April version or whatever. Yeah, so uh, Kyle and I will both be there. So if anybody wants to meet up, Let's just uh, DM us or send us a tweet or something, and we'd be happy to to get together. Oh, and the last thing, um, our last episode was edited by Podmelon, I believe, is the uh, the new brand. So Boom. if you haven't listened to the last episode, do it because it sounds silky smooth, and this one probably does too. So thanks right. to Podmelon. Now we will collect our... Yeah. Ad money. Yeah. <laughs> this is a free advertisement. Um, awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. See ya. <laughs>